Hi there. I'm so excited to welcome you to the Arthritis Life Podcast, where we share arthritis life stories and tips for thriving with autoimmune arthritis. My name is Cheryl Crow, and I am passionate about helping people navigate real life with arthritis beyond joint pain. I've been living with rheumatoid arthritis for 20 years, and I'm also a mom, occupational therapist, video creator, support group leader, and I created the Room to Thrive self-management program. I am so excited to help you live a more empowered life with arthritis. We're going to cover everything from kitchen life hacks to navigating the healthcare system to coping with friends who just don't get it. Seriously, no topic is going to be off limits on this podcast. My interviewees and I share our honest stories of how chronic illness affects our lives. This includes discussions about mental health, sex, shame, pregnancy, body image, advocacy, self-acceptance, and so much more. You'll hear stories from all ends of the spectrum, from a person who's living in Medicaid remission from psoriatic arthritis to somebody living with severe mobility restrictions and severe pain from rheumatoid arthritis. You'll hear how people manage their conditions in different ways, like medications, mindfulness, movement, social support, work accommodations, and so much more. You'll also hear from rheumatology experts who just get it. We'll dive deep into the science behind chronic pain and what's the latest evidence for lifestyle changes that can help you thrive with arthritis, including exercise, sleep, nutrition, stress reduction, and more. This is your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. Hi, I am so excited to have Hay here. I would love for you to just let the audience know just a very quick introduction, like where do you live and what is your relationship to autoimmune disease? Okay. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to meet you uh, in virtual real life. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) We met at a conference, but autoimmune community summit. That was Mm -hmm, great. mm -hmm. Now, my name is Haley. Ferris, mm-hmm. but I go by Hay and I've always gone by Hay. So that's just the first half of my name. But um, it's Hay Ferris and I live in Birmingham, Alabama and I'm 35. <laughs> I don't know awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then, so what chronic illness do you or illnesses? Cause we know they like to travel together. Do you have? Yeah. Oh, they, they love being together. Um, so I have Bichette's vasculitis mm-hmm. and vasculitis is a thing that if you're not familiar with it, that was, you know, Ashton Kutcher just recently came out mm. and was like, I couldn't walk very well for a year. I lost all these abilities. I had to relearn all these things. And then he uh, said it was due to a form of vasculitis. So mm. I also have a rare form of vasculitis and it has taken me down for a the past 10 years, but it came with some extra friends and Mm -hmm. some extra challenges. And that was, um, common variable immune deficiency. Okay. And that's just, uh, it's makes it complex to treat an autoimmune when you also have an immune deficiency. So, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a balance. You always have to walk there. And then just this year, we found one of the worst manifestations of my vasculitis in microscopic colitis. 
um, because mm. I've been on TPN before. Uh, oh, there can were you a few explain years what... where I did not eat. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Can you tell people what TPN stands for? Okay. So TPN is total parenteral nutrition. And I'm a PharmD, a pharmacist. I graduated in 2011, but then I got sick in 2012. Mm. So I became very much a pharmacist towards these type of conditions yeah. and mainly mine. But um, TPN is basically vein food. It just mm -hmm. means that your GI tract is no longer able to absorb or take in any kind of nutrition for your body. And you have to, you can't even do like a J tube or something like that because mm -hmm. the the GI tract itself is not absorbing uh, properly. So you have to skip it all together and then go straight to your veins. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Sorry. That, I didn't mean to. And so that, and then you had, TPN. and then you had microscopic colitis. Yes. And yeah. microscopic colitis is um, a, one of the more difficult complications of my vasculitis, but mm. I did, I do have complications in every uh, area. For example, I'm wearing my oxygen cannula right now because I am in chronic respiratory failure. Mm -hmm. I have my fluids running right now through a Hickman line, which is a central IV line in my chest. And I'm running those right now so that I can have the hydration to sit up and talk with yeah. you right now. And well, and I'm first of all, just, I'm so grateful you're here. Cause like you said, you got diagnosed, uh, yeah, 10 years ago, keep my design between saying 2012 and 10 years ago. Um, and it started to come out as 20 years ago. Um, but so you've, you know, you've been through a lot and on this podcast, I have mostly had people with like inflammatory forms of arthritis or autoimmune forms of arthritis. So, um, before we go more into your personal story, cause I do want, that's like the main, like, you know, okay. um, <laughs> just, this is what people love hearing each other's stories, um, and, yes. you know, feeling less alone and everything, but just because it's not a condition that I've really covered, like vasculitis, could you explain like, what are some of the symptoms that you experienced and, and what are some of the common symptoms okay. of vasculitis or, or so, behets, behet, is it behets? Bichette. Well, it's bushettes okay, or bushettes or bushettes. It's just a okay. whole, it's kind of, just depends. And I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. So I guarantee you how I say it. Is oh yeah. Gonna be that no, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. okay. Yeah. I'll put the notes so, to these conditions in the show notes so people can look them up if they want to learn more that, too, that but just will be super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So vasculitis just in general there, uh, it's just an inflammation of the blood vessels. And so right. it's very similar. It causes an arthritis in me. It causes um, all kinds of different, wherever you find that this is kind of a, a weird way to generalize it, but wherever you find a blood vessel in your body, you can have a swollen, complicated vessel there. And mm -hmm. that is my manifestation of vasculitis is, a lot of difficulty um, in all different size blood vessels of my body from clots to bleeds, mm. from fatigue to brain fog to um, the pulmonary embolism I had, brain bleed, um, lots of GI problems where it's malnutrition so severe that I can no longer eat. And mm. um, 
I lost my ability to walk. I couldn't speak very well. Um, there are still pieces of my journey because I'm still sick, but there are still mm -hmm. pieces of my journey that I am not even fully aware of because those around me experienced them. And I was experiencing my own version of survival. Mm -hmm. And so I'm still learning about some pieces, but um, yeah, I guess for me, I feel like I have an, uh, I have grabbed some abilities back and I'm living life now um, a little bit more than I have in the past, but yeah. then people still look at me and they say, well, you're wearing an oxygen cannula and you've got fluids running on into your chest, mm -hmm. IV fluids. And I'm required to have those twice a day, if not more. And I can't leave my house because of the immune deficiency, especially now with COVID. My husband and I joke, we were living the COVID life like seven years before COVID even yeah. started. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. it's kind of that is, it may seem small, like a very small life to many people, but it's, it's such a great point to be at compared to where I have been mm -hmm. that it's weird. It's it's weird for people to understand and fully grasp, but yeah. anything yeah. from bruises to brain bleeds. Well, <laughs> yeah. To... Oh my gosh. No. And it's, it's so true. Like, you know, your blood vessels are like delivering oxygen and nutrients yeah. all over your body. So, um, so yeah, the fact kind that they, important. they're a little bit important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I, I really resonate with what you're saying about, um, you know, if you have a chronic illness, no matter how severe it is, there's always this tension between, you know, wanting to make your life about controlling your symptoms. And obviously that's really important when you're in survival mode, but there's also kind of this, like, I don't believe in Maslow's hierarchy completely, right? Because Maslow's hierarchy is like, we don't, he was like, we start with needing the basic things like food and shelter and safety. And then we only when those are perfectly met, and I think you would almost put health in there, then you can go to these higher, like abstract love and oh, art. And, but like, don't we? Word. Yeah. What do you think about that? Sorry. <laughs> I've oh, that's tangent. a very great, that is such a good question. <laughs> yeah. Because here's how um, I think that applies extremely differently for chronic illness patients mm -hmm. or for in general. Um, patients with a disease or a prolonged illness mm -hmm. there is no there you can get stuck trying to fit yourself into a box or a triangle or a hierarchy <laughs> that seems mm -hmm. like it should be the way to go and the truth of the matter is your your journey is your journey yeah. and while there will be pieces that you can share and find in common with others, which is invaluable, sometimes you'll also be kind of like how I was for a while, where no one had ever met anyone as severe as me mm -hmm. who was still here. And so mm -hmm. my doctors included, I had a mm -hmm. nursing home stay when I was 31 years old, and wow. it was after talks of palliative care. So it's a very mm -hmm. interesting um, thing to try to live through surviving yeah, when yeah. you know that the hierarchy of needs is necessary and true, but 
how do you find life within that basic level of still striving for your main, you know, food, (laughs) shelter? How do you find art and like faith and all of these other things when you are still in a stuck space? I call it a ditch. You just Mm -hmm. are stuck in the ditch over and over and you're trying to climb out of the ditch, but you keep going through that same cycle and that's where all your energy gets expended and the cycle of survival doesn't often in the way that the world perceives productivity, Mm. the Mm -hmm. cycle of survival does not equate and mix up. I mean, in a line up with a valuable life in like a productivity Mm. definition of it. And so with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I agree in places too, but Mm -hmm. I also say we need a chronic illness hierarchy of Mm -hmm. needs and living because it does alter everything about life, everything about life. It's a different pattern of life with different concerns. And if you've got your health, praised you <laughs> yeah don't take it for granted I know it really don't take is it for granted <laughs> so true and um I I want to go back to a time <laughs> I'm always trying to be linear and failing but um let's go back to 2012 Ooh. in your personal story <laughs> um and first of all hey has an amazing blog or website where you can read some more that I'll put in the um in the show notes as well but um because you yeah I'm I cannot truly imagine what it would be like to go from feeling, I mean, would you say in 2011, you felt in normal health, you know, for a, I can even, I would, I can give you a great example. Um, when I was 19, I was on the game show deal or no deal. Oh yes. That picture's on her website. We will link to that. Yeah. 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 So it is, it, I was wearing a tennis outfit because I was an athlete and I had played tennis for my whole life and I was, could have played in college and Mm. I had to quit my senior year because of a heart problem. Now Mm. that's related to my vasculitis, but Mm. we didn't know it at the time because I, I died when I was 17. I had a whole, whole entire near death experience and all of that, um, which I call my death experience. So coming back from that, I got, I was well enough to go on to deal or no deal and jump around and then Mm -hmm. go to pharmacy school and become a farm D and then work full time as a pharmacist. So I had some, uh, amazing levels that I took for granted for sure Mm -hmm. of ability and achievement, and then got a headache (laughs) one day in 2012 with some GI symptoms and never returned to being a full-time pharmacist again. <laughs> yeah. That's such a, such a rude timing of the universe that you had it was just... very rude timing. Yeah. Yes. You had studied so, cause I know PharmD is not an easy degree. Oh, how inconsiderate. I know. And you had student <laughs> yeah. loans. I'm just like, uh. I had, <sighs> yes, many, many, cause I paid for my own undergrad too. So I had, student loans, uh, they exceeded $200,000 at the highest point as well. 
because wow. I had taped some of them down, but then they went into deference because we got sick. And I say we got sick because it took over our entire household. It and how took long? Over yeah. How long had you been married at that time? Oh my, <laughs> bless. Um, I, sorry, I'm from I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm gonna say no. I love like, it. Bless. Okay, so um, so my husband and I got married on ten nine ten, which is October okay. 9th, oh. two thousand and ten. Hey, happy now, anniversary! We been together for. <laughs> Oh, thanks. Yeah, it was just recently, wasn't it? This yeah. month. Yep. So, um, we were, we had been together for five years prior to that, Okay. but, um, we had only been married. I mean, weeks shy of our second anniversary, mm-hmm. just weeks before our second wedding anniversary wow. is when I got sick. And you're so in your mid twenties. Yeah in 20 age 25 and okay, I just yeah. turned 35 this year okay. okay um so we we've been married for 12 years and this was actually the first birthday of my marriage that we actually were able to try to celebrate because before it was pharmacy school pharmacist working just really hardcore and then and then so quickly it was just all illness all the time mm. so and I know that's one of, um, cause I, I primarily kind of interact with, um, the autoimmune community who kind of in the younger to middle ages, just cause that's who's on social media <laughs> where yeah. I am a lot. And I think it's a lot of huge fear of a lot of people is, you know, mm-hmm. will my partner stay with me or, um, so I mean, I, I don't cannot even, even, that is, that is, that is the truth. And it's really scary and it's really sad. And um, that is, I will say this, I'm a fall risk. I like to say this. Mm. I like to say I'm a fall risk. Everywhere Mm. that I go into, I've always been labeled a fall risk bracelet. I had a very bad fall uh, last year and I experienced what that was like. I'm sorry, yeah. The whole, it's okay. I'm a fall risk, but I say that now in this context because I can only know my own experience. And so I really don't want to speak into the heart of anyone who might be experiencing anything with their partner, because that is, we had our own story where it was extremely, extremely trying on our marriage and our every aspect of our lives. But I, one thing my husband did not do was completely give up. He, he, he stuck around and that is, I know an extremely rare blessing. So I don't even know. So that's why I say I'm a fall risk with a lot of these topics. I just feel at a loss because I don't know what to say into mm. that space at oh, all. I mean, so no, that's all why you can... if I speak there, then I fall on my face because I don't know the, the exact no. experience. Well, yeah. the one thing that we are all, all are an expert in is our own stories, you know, and, yeah. and that's your story that you have a partner that stayed with you. And that's, mm. I think that will give a lot of people listening hope if that's oh, one of their deep, yeah. dark, fears, you know, I joke sometimes. Yeah. Um, and my illness, like and not to play like suffering Olympics, I always say it's not, it's not good no, for mental health, but, but I mean, ob- <laughs> objectively, like I have not had this. I mean, if you 
just as a gross measurement, like I haven't had this, this severity of illness that, that you have. I think that's just objectively true, but yeah, I, I joke. Yeah. I just is. But at the same time, I, I joke. On, on. Yeah. But I'm like, my husband's like too stubborn to leave. Cause he's, he would be like, Aww. he's like, very, we're both very stubborn and very optimistic. So I think we both kind of, we're yeah. just, no, we'll fix this. We'll find the way. We'll find You'll the way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It. Oh, that's, that's anyway. Sweet. Yeah. He it's would a, never, I do yeah. like to speak up for that too. I do actually really want to speak for just a second on Please. Um, my, my husband being that partner, because that was mm-hmm. not always the way he was encouraged to go. He was given mm-hmm. in times when it was very t- tough for both of us. We were both given advice that because no one can know exactly what you're going through. Mm-hmm. They were all well-intended, but you know what we say with well-intentions, it's not always the product <laughs> of yeah. what comes out. So it always, to me, it also just tugs at my heart. And I want to say, I love my partner. I love him. He is my best friend. Neither one of us are here by chance because we worked. Mm. <laughs> we survived in every, in every avenue we, we were dying. So it's, it was like our relationship included. It was mm. extremely difficult and it would not have been possible without God and Jesus, mm. but it definitely, definitely would not have been possible also without communication and just the grace of the Lord. I don't know how else it was not a, there is hope, but man, I under, I, I understand that I don't understand. You know, like I understand that that's something I do not, I do not know. Ah. Yeah. And it wasn't fun to be me either. So I don't know. (laughs) There's hope though, right? (laughs) Yeah. No, no. I mean, just the fact that you're still together or just on with nothing else is, is, does give hope. But I, I agree that I don't want it to be, I don't want to say that in a flippant way. Like I want it, like, it's kind of like the way I talk about acceptance. Acceptance sounds like the easy way out. It's actually the hard way out. Like, you know, and having hope in this, you know, it's easy to give up and walk away from someone. It's harder to stay Mm -hmm. together when times are tough. So, um, so yeah. So (laughs) in your guys's case, I'm sorry, we weren't even planning on talking so much about. No, we weren't. We weren't. But again, we, we were both talked before this, that, you know, the conversation always, meanders into interesting territory, but yeah. So, you know, communication helped. And, um, sometimes I've heard people say, I know that I think this was, was brought up at some point. We both attended again, like you mentioned the autoimmune community summit through the autoimmune Mm -hmm. association, um, that, um, yeah, one of the talks in uh, this, in the mental health talked about how, well, and also that survival mode kind of brings your priorities into sharp focus. Like you're not kind of, you're not like most newlyweds, like we're arguing like you left your socks on the floor or like, you oh, know, yeah. You know, oh yeah. Oh yeah. It kind of brings we like, definitely yeah, did not get to do that. We did not get to, it was very interesting too, because even just in the past, say like six months, I've started to be able to, I'll just give like a little, I've started to be able yeah. to sit up. I've started to be able yeah. to walk. I've started to be able to like walk with endurance. I mean, because when I lived in the nursing home in fall of 2018, I relearned walking and I regained Mm -hmm. that, but the endurance part of it was always just, 
gone. There was just so much fatigue. It was the hollowed out feeling where you are just the thinnest wafer shell thick and that is your whole essence. That's how I, I existed feeling like at least. And so I felt like any wisp of wind would just blow me away. But at the same time, I had gained 200 pounds, but I wasn't doing, I wasn't eating. It was all my body not knowing how to react to everything. And so just this year, I've been able to walk better. I've been able to maneuver around my house. I've been able to go downstairs and try to fix my husband dinner instead of, you know, eating through bed and all this stuff. Like Mm -hmm. I walked out to the mailbox the other day, you know, I'm making great strides. And so in this respect, that's why I seem so full of hope and so Mm -hmm. happy is because I'm just so thankful. I can even be speaking with you and have attended Mm -hmm. that autoimmune community summit and be maybe, maybe because most of us who go through maybe the depths of the severity uh, in all our own individual ways, however that manifests with whatever our thing is, Mm -hmm. whatever I can hopefully speak toward my version of the depths and what that felt like. And I'm hoping now that I am able to sit up and converse and maybe share my story that I can give a voice to some feelings that are very difficult to relay, especially when you're stuck in the survival mode where you have no energy and you can't even use brain power to even try to get someone to understand how you're feeling. Like they ask, people would always ask me, how are you? And I Mm. felt like, and I addressed this on my site at one point too, because I felt like I wanted, I, I wanted to tell them in all honesty I am not doing okay. Like this is not going very well, but I also didn't have the energy to fulfill that statement. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times I would get stuck between honesty in friendships and relationships and my disease. And it was like, there was a block and, Mm -hmm. and there's a big solid wall between the understanding of those two pieces. And it also depends on how many spoons you have that day. Mm-hmm. Christine Miseranda, spoon theory. So it's just, it's a whole big old combination of things together that stop us from being able to accurately express our experience with yeah. chronic illness life. And I'm hoping that with this blip of health I have right here, which I'm saying health and I'm still hooked up to an IV and I'm still mm-hmm. on oxygen. But like I've explained, my my little bit of health I have going on right here in my definition of it. I'm hoping that maybe just being able to share from the depths, it might allow people to feel more in common and to feel less alone and to know that, Hey, it's, Hey's still here. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, 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 (laughs) that different way. I can say that a different way. No, Uh, to let people know that, at least somebody's out there trying with energy to give voice to what it was like for that person. And that person is me. If you have ever felt completely lost or utterly alone while trying to navigate real life with rheumatic disease, 
listen up, I am here for you. I created an educational program to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported and connected in a matter of weeks. And it's called Room to Thrive. After earning a master's in occupational therapy and completing hundreds of hours of additional training, I created a step-by-step guide to help you truly thrive with rheumatic disease. This is the only program I know of that's designed to improve quality of life for people living with inflammatory autoimmune forms of arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, Sjogren's disease, and more. During the self-paced lessons, you'll learn how to manage pain and fatigue, cope with stress, navigate relationships, and continue doing the things that matter to you and bring you joy. The goal is really to help you improve your quality of life and learn how to thrive with your rheumatic disease right now, rather than waiting for a distant day when it might be cured or healed. I really created the down-to-earth, practical, heartfelt resource I wish I had had when I was first diagnosed at age 20. If you want even more in-depth support, you can join the 12-week Room to Thrive virtual support group where you'll be surrounded by people who actually get what you're going through, people who will provide the encouragement, validation, and support that you deserve. Each group is expertly moderated, so you don't have to worry about the kind of misinformation that spreads like wildfire in the free-for-all social media groups. If you're on the fence, don't just take my word for it. Here's what Katie had to say in March 2023. I was lost and overwhelmed with my RA diagnosis. It felt overwhelming to know what to read, what to do, how to spend my energy trying to research on the internet. Room to Thrive did that for me. It's been like getting a crash course in my diagnosis along with a community who gets it. To see all the details, including the dates for the next support groups, go to the link in the show notes or bit.ly slash thrive room with a capital T in capital R. You can also just email me anytime at info at myarthritislife.net. And don't delay if you're interested because each group is capped at 16 people or less in order to make a small, intimate group atmosphere. Thanks so much for your time. And I can't wait to get started with the next groups. And I can't wait for those of you who are interested in the self-paced option to go ahead and join that at any time. Bye-bye for now. Uh, Yeah, and I I wanna ask more about that really, really low period in, in 20, you know, 18, but before that, I just want to, cause I don't want to forget to ask this. Do you, did you start any new treatments or do you have any idea why things have turned, taken a turn for the better health wise now? Yeah, I definitely have a lot of different, um, a lot of different, it's a balance, right? Mm-hmm. And so everything I think of like a, one of those electronic, like digital mixing boards where like for sound, where you see all the different lines going up and down, right. You got to get the perfect exact alignment of all of them for the right face and the right, you know, all of these different things. And for me, that's, you got to get a little bit of this. You got to get a little bit of IV therapy. You got to get a little bit of the IV therapy has to be lactated ringers. It can't be normal saline. You need to have, mm. you know, so it was all so specific because of how in-depth and how individualized my diseases got in their specific combination, how the treatments fought against and exacerbated mm. the other diseases. So mm. we were just 
fighting against what seemed to be an impossible, like walking an impossible tightrope. Mm -hmm. So I tried and failed so many different treatments um, over years. And I was a pharmacist. So, I mean, I was familiar with, with the appropriate way to try a treatment to know this treatment did not work or this side effect is from this treatment. So I had a little bit of an advantage in that respect where I was able to say, no, I can't start all of these treatments new at the same time. We have to do Mm -hmm. this one and this one. So I had a big advantage in that respect. So over the years, I was just simply trial and error, but in a way that was very specific to my body and knowing just intricately, okay, we got that one little column set and things work pretty well when that base column is on Mm -hmm. this exact setting. Mm -hmm. Now let's move to the very next one and the very next. And so it became a process like a chain of dominoes. And then this year, finally, I had a colonoscopy hit because I've had, oh my gosh, I've had four fecal transplants because I've had C. diff several times. And um, my body, because of my immune deficiency, yeah, um, cannot handle all of the, tr- like all of the treatments for it. And anyways, mm-hmm. it's a very difficult combination. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that's getting me sidetracked because it is a very difficult combination. So I've tried many things, but like for example, like a Humira or something, mm-hmm. I couldn't do Remicade. I couldn't do mm. Humira and it be safe because right. I would catch all of the infections then. And I would just be right. sick from head to toe with all kinds of infections. And I'm allergic to, you know, penicillins. So yay, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just a good combination. I, but um, oh, yeah. I don't know. It's eventually over the years, what we found was any kind of like an equation that worked. And that's, I guess, how I would explain it because this year we found we had a doc I have about seven specialists Mm -hmm. and they all thank Jesus they all coordinate together and speak together Mm -hmm. only because of the only because of where the palliative care aspect that's Mm -hmm. why like only because of how difficult things got so and they're just together just real quick in case people haven't heard what palliative care is like comfort yes. care or like end of life care, typically. It is end of life care, yeah. yeah Comforting yeah. end of life care where you switch and your goals are now different. Mm-hmm. Your goals um, change from say a treatment to prolong life and hopefully impact in a positive way, mm-hmm. dare I say remission or cure, you know, those big right, words. Right, right, right that's typically the goal. But then when you swap, you switch your goal over to palliative care. That is, that is comfort care. That is end of life care. It is mm-hmm. um, definitely, we sat down, made our wills with an right. end of life lawyer, all that. So it's, it's a, yeah, I guess this is going to be a pretty <laughs> heavy. Well, but <laughs> it's, it's my, so important. Not. It's my that- story. And it's so important people yeah. can't speak from this spot very easily. And no. so that's why I want to speak. 
No, so th- thank you. Sorry, I didn't mean to, I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. saying validating. And and, yeah. Yeah, and I think actually, you know, regardless of whether you have a chronic illness, thinking about end-of-life care is actually something that everyone should be doing because you never know. Yes. There's this woman in Seattle that started this website and I hope it's okay to swear, it, but it's getyourshittogether.com. Yeah. <laughs> Get your oh, shit together. Yeah. Appropriate. Because her husband went out for a run, had a heart attack, died, and they were like, you know, they had two small kids, they were in their thirties and like, it could happen to anyone, you know? And so she actually has all these free templates. My husband and I did them before my son was born just because even though we should have done earlier, but you know, it was like, you know, because I was pregnant and we were like, okay, in case we know things can go wrong with that on top of having chronic illness. But anyway, but in your case, it's, that's really preventative care. But when you actually have doctors telling you it's time to start palliative yeah, care. That means that it was a weird thing. It that was definitely very, very clearly and very quickly. We had some friends. See, one thing that I've learned too is that because we were so out of step with everyone around us in our yeah. age group, you know, mm-hmm. we were not experiencing the same stages of life, but we yeah. were the same youthfulness you know we yeah. were the same decade but we weren't experiencing the same things yeah. and we weren't experiencing what we had thought we would experience either so it was yeah. really interesting we are so thankful bless all of our friends they that what we found is sometimes the capacity you don't even know you have the capacity that you have to mm-hmm. to contain all kinds of and and with and withstand all kinds of difficulties. But one thing that we really learned is that the way that you receive and hold other people's stories Mm -hmm. and their lives and their experiences has to be infinitely more gentle than you ever would think that you should. Because the in the initial reactions a lot of time that people would have to us if we say, hey, we had to get our papers together. We had to get our wills together. We had a few people who their first reaction, just naturally, it makes complete sense. They're like, oh, that's good to do anyway. Yeah, we need to do oh, that. That's kind of and, what I said. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Sorry. Totally fine. No, but, but what no. you said is good. It's, it's true. It is completely true. What you said is true. And I want everyone to hear it. Please, please, please get your stuff together. (laughs) You can that all day long. That is amazing. So it seriously is important, but I do also want to point out as well, like everything, there is some nuance to it because ours was out of necessity yeah, as opposed to out of you know, it's good to do. And we understand that that's not something that anyone around our age would even like begin to go down that lane of thinking, man, we need this because we need this right now. Fortunately, hopefully not going to be on your to-do list today, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but it should be, it should be on your to-do list, but just with a different motivation pushing it just with yeah. a different perspective leading it through. But like I was saying about the, uh, what our friend's initial reactions would be because of our, ex- our extremes, 
the just the extremeness of our experience. My husband and I, that's why I say our as well, yeah, because yeah. it totally flipped his life as well. So anyways, the, the extremeness of it has led me to know that whatever people's first reactions are to what we are saying to them or opening mm-hmm. up to them, whatever their very, very first thing they say is, that first thing is the one that you just say, okay, that's there, that's theirs, you let it roll off of you. Because mm-hmm. it's going to say more about how they're receiving it internally than it is about how they feel toward you. It's right. all about how they're receiving it. So for example, the whole, like, I, the whole getting the the will thing done, and then I'm literally haven't sat at the kitchen table in years, but then we go sit at the kitchen table to do our wills. And yeah. so like, when I, if I feel even safe enough to address that conversation with mm-hmm. any of my friends or loved ones afterwards and have the energy and then I'm able to devote, like, that's what I can do with my energy is then speak right. to them about that topic. If I get to that point, then I understand it's also going to be blunt and fresh and raw and Mm -hmm. an awakening for them as well, because we were not prepared for this to hit us. It is very difficult to also just speak about it or speak with someone you love, let alone speak with anyone about Mm -hmm. the rawness and the reality of making your will because you need it at age Mm -hmm. 29, you know? And so Mm -hmm. it's the reactions of, oh, that's just good to do. I know that is exactly the appropriate reaction that you should have. And I want people to have, because I want, that's exactly the point. I want y'all to do that so Mm -hmm. that when and if ever there would come a time, you don't have to do what we had to do. Like Mm -hmm. you are, you are there and you are settled and you are fine. And so if you can't start those conversations, because maybe your relationships aren't what they once were, or maybe you're having to share things with people who were uh, used to love, but maybe not quite right now, love kind of thing. (laughs) You know, I really do hope that my words speaking from this place can go forward and maybe be an icebreaker or even just be like, Hey, we got to do this before something like this you know, comes up, let's never have that happen, hopefully. But I feel like going through all this extreme stuff, and now having a little bit of an ability to even speak, I'm hoping that maybe some people can hear a little bit of a story from that area of depletion, because the people who are that depleted cannot exert their energy towards speaking. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And I think that something that my therapist has taught me related to this is that oftentimes we are taught from a young age to avoid discomfort. And so often a lot of these things that we say that are kind of inappropriate to someone with a chronic illness or an acute illness or, you know, end of life situation. Mm -hmm. It's like, when people say, it's all going to work out. You're going to beat this. You're going to, it's because it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't want, I am too uncomfortable with the idea that you might not beat this, or I'm too uncomfortable with the fact that you're 25 and you're having to do your end of life care, that I'm going to comfort myself and attempt to comfort you by saying, oh, that's just a good thing. You you don't, but you're like, no, that's not the point. Of course, it's a good thing. But the point is that I (laughs) have to do it. 
I don't yeah, have a choice. Is, please, yes. And the point is, please do this. So you are not in this scenario, although we couldn't have done it any sooner. It was ours just came up as it was, but we mm -hmm. hope that doesn't happen <laughs> for others. But it's really interesting too, because my uncle had written a book like a long time ago when I was a little kid and it was called wants, wishes, and wills. And it was about preparing for like the no end way. of life. And I feel like it was in the nineties or something because I definitely didn't read it or even like really know much more than the title and what it was about. You know, That's it's so kind of one of those floaty things from your yeah. childhood that like this existed, but <laughs> it certainly came back to my mind. I didn't know much about it, but it certainly came back to my mind around that time. I was yeah. like, oh, maybe he was on to something. <laughs> right. But well, but, and it, yeah. it also ties into something we had talked about before, which is, you know, resisting the impulse or the pressure to force your illness into a tidy narrative. And as I'm sure people can tell, given how eloquent you are, you are also a writer, you know, but, um, you know, you wrote to me when we were emailing before this that, you know, sometimes you don't get a full character arc with everything all tied up neatly no. in a bow. And so, yeah, I would love to hear more about like times when maybe you felt pressure to quote unquote, get better or people asking, are you better yet? You know, or what's, what's helped oh, you cope? Yeah. yeah. Anything you want to say? on yeah. that? <laughs> that is so, I, I love that you picked up on that also out of what I had answered because being a writer and uh, being literally in the area of publishing where I was um, interning for a literary agent, like oh. I was reading manuscripts, I was helping my friends who are now one of the first chapters that I read I read it in a manuscript and it became a number one New York Times bestseller. So this is how I was on that road. And mm -hmm. I was very much in this space and I love it. And I love writing for kids, but that's where I originally started. I wanted to do young adult and middle grade. And, and I still have a middle grade book that I've, I'll probably have to get to <laughs> mm -hmm. get it back out there. But just because my journey got stopped so, so quickly, yeah, yeah. but, um, with all of that study and all of that knowledge of character arcs and the way that we are so used to stories in 45 to 65 minutes, mm -hmm. you know, to have the full wrap, it's like, here's the problem here's the answer. Yeah. Yay. We're done. And it's like you wrap up and you're done. And that's because of television and all of the way we consume media. And like, sometimes you'll be able to get a seasonal character arc, like where, or somebody mm -hmm. over a series gets even deeper growth. And we like those shows better because right. we know, we know who that person is and we can follow them along. It's more realistic to life. And it's so difficult, especially with social media, for mm -hmm. you to give an accurate representation of the depth of what you're going through as a chronic illness patient. Yeah. yeah. Accurately, because you because you are on what I said in one of my earlier posts was I, you're on a blindfolded roller coaster that you've never seen. You've never yeah. even seen it. 
And so you don't know how long it lasts. You don't know where it's going to turn. You don't know anything about this. And so there are some days where I can pop on to my Instagram and say, hey, y'all, I walked to the mailbox today. This was amazing. And it was a big mm-hmm. deal. And then there's the next day where I didn't get out of bed and I made no posts on Instagram. That doesn't mean that I was still skipping to the mailbox that day. That means I didn't post. I don't know what I did. You know, I could have just laid there. So it's very difficult to even like it, it can exhaust people just like it exhausts us to be sick for Mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. It can exhaust our people to not get resolution every time that becomes the only thing they can ask you about, you know, like, well, how's, Hey, how's, Hey, doing with this? How's, Hey, doing with that? And it's never a full, Oh, she's doing great. We're good. You know, like in specifically here in, in my world, because my world is very much my faith and spirituality section goes with Jesus. And so Mm -hmm. that goes straight through that lens where people would pray. They'd Mm -hmm. be praying and praying and praying. And then they're like, Oh yeah, she's still sick, right? So oh, I see like, this always, pressure for the prayer to like, has it yeah, worked yet? Okay, it's I'll... all kinds of stuff yeah, like that. Too. Interesting. And so yeah. it's just like our in, it's we have an insatiable need and desire for happy, full character arc, happy ending. You know, yeah. the yeah, the happy ending kind of thing. You know, and if not the happy ending, then at least some kind of denouement, like some kind of like resolution Resolution. or something you know and it's not that is we all know we all know if we've lived any moment of life we know not everything gets a resolution and as a matter of fact the things that get a resolution we should actually just throw little parties for those because resolutions are just like they should be celebrated they should not be expected. They They're the diamond in the rough. Yeah, yeah. They uh-huh. are the diamond in the rough. Yes, Aladdin. Yes. So <laughs> yes, it's just something that struck me greatly as as coming from the writing space and as a writer and like critiquing manuscripts and learning about story structure. Mm-hmm. That like there's this thing called like save the cat. It's a beat sheet where of how to like you need to have a problem, the cat needs to be in trouble, you know, you, you need to save it, all these different things. And it tells you like the general story structure of what our brains and our minds just expect. Right. In a complete story. And right. so with social media and with chronic illness, where you drop off because you're devoting your energy to your yeah. necessities, it turns into kind of like a hit or miss game you know and you're just like at a carnival game and you're just like throwing balls and you're like well I thought this one was going to hit that dude over there but it really went <laughs> down here and hit that one over there and that doesn't describe at all what I felt like when I was throwing it you know what I mean right. so it's one of those right. kind of scenarios where you just can't you just just like life cannot be wrapped up with a little tidy bow unfortunately mm-hmm. I think it's our responsibility though just as like being a good person <laughs> and being an empathetic human to not hold our friends and relatives to the standard of they have to be presented as a perfect package too, you know, Yeah, and not be wrapped point. up as a bow. Cause if it's not 
happening for me <laughs> over here. And I know it's not. We all, there's no doubts about that. <laughs> and then it's going to be really difficult for everyone else as well. And I try to hold that spot now. I try mm -hmm. to hold a little bit of like a hole there and just say this space, I guess, is a little bit of grace or a little bit of, you know, leeway where I can say, okay, and that's why I say I would let the first reactions roll off of me because it's more of a reflection of what they're confronting mm -hmm, than it is mm -hmm. like what you're talking about with your therapist with, than it is yeah. of what on me, like the first time a, a really good friend saw me after I had gained 160 pounds and I had forgotten mm -hmm. <laughs> to tell her and oh, okay. she walked in the room. Yeah. And she stopped and she goes, so we're a little swollen today. <laughs> And I was like, that was the kindest way yeah, to address it. Yeah. And I was just thankful that her initial response came out that way. Right. Um, as opposed to all of these other ways it could have. And it just shows me the importance of an initial reaction in my own self when I'm addressing anything out. <laughs> side of yeah. my own experience. <laughs> oh, 100%. And one of my favorite phrases I learned and I can't remember whether it was my therapist or the book The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris, which is a fabulous book. I talk about it all the time, but it's about acceptance and commitment therapy and like accepting uncertainty. Um, let me see how to stop struggling and start living. It's, it it sounds like it's like a vapid like pop psych book, but it's actually really deep. <laughs> and it's about like actually suffering is suffering is the default condition of life, like we were just talking about. And yes. that if our expectations are that we will suffer, that's part of life, then we won't be chronically disappointed yeah. when we do suffer, you know. But one of the yeah. phrases that he said, I think Russ Harris or maybe it was my therapist, but it's it's said a lot in the um, mindfulness community is like riding the waves of uncertainty. And so I've started saying that yep. sometimes if someone's asking me, like when I've been having more like flare-ups of my chronic health issues, they'd be like, how are you doing? I'll be like, I'm, I'm riding the waves of uncertainty. Like, and that means yeah, that, that's like, a great way to phrase I'm it. not happy about it. Like I'm, no. <laughs> but I'm accepting that like, yeah. but I think uncertainty, like my therapist really helped me hone in on that, that that was my big, that's been one of my big triggers. And I kept being like, well, yeah, but I don't like uncertainty, but I just, I'll just find the certainty. I'll just find the answer. You know what I mean? Like yeah, just solve the problem. That, I'll just get it. Yeah. It's that but, easy. Yeah. Of course. I was like, okay, that's true. And he goes, that's true for solvable problems, but you don't solvable always. Solvable problems. Yeah. Chronic illness is not a, necessarily a solvable problem. Some people will find a solution. They'll drink celery juice or they'll take their medicine and that. Yeah, exactly. But that would be the same for everybody. No. And that's where the whole oh. resolution, like a story is a, you know, a problem and then the resolution of it. That's where we have to say in a chronic illness, we have maybe things that are partially resolved, but mm -hmm. a lot of these problems are perpetual. So then this happy ending for me has, I've started to become really interested in like, how can, can the happy ending actually be coming to terms with these unsolvable problems, yes. you know, yes. and trying to maximize your values and meaning and joy in your life with the uncertainty where you are yeah yeah exactly right yes. where you are that's very good wisdom because yeah. that's that's ultimately i mean i don't know how else to say it other than like the in that national <laughs> national treasure 
the second movie they're like it's the the riddle is the debt that all men pay mm. and the answer is death and it to me though it just it it really resonates a little more that this is why I love kids books and stuff yeah <laughs> yeah because it is an it's it's an adult lesson so it's being said to children like Madeline Longle said but um that's a quote from her but mm-hmm. I just messed mm-hmm. it up really bad but anyways oh, no, no, no. it's a um it's a thing where it just the fact is we all share as humans we share the fact that we are gonna die and that's like a very tough concept to to confront face on but it is the one thing that we all have in common with Mm -hmm. our existence Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so we all feel that and process that in different ways we approach it in different Mm -hmm. ways but unless we are comfortable, not that you have to be super comfortable with that fact, but I mean, like, unless we are familiar with even confronting the fact that we're not a permanent structure physically yeah. here, mm-hmm. um, then we can get stuck in the realms of, of certainty and being like, well, this is what I need in that, you know, but when we acknowledge that, well, ultimately I don't have any control over this part anyway because it's it's gonna end in the physical here and for me personally it keeps going in the spiritual but I do think there's a spiritual element that helps too Mm -hmm. to also see beyond that but man having faced death a few too many times now (laughs) yeah yeah. it is it is a thing that I don't really want to be comfortable with it but Mm -hmm. I also do not want to be unfamiliar with yeah. my personal response. Mm-hmm, I want to mm-hmm. just be practiced and measured so that too, I can provide a practiced and measured and wise uh, comfort to those around me experiencing mm-hmm, it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's going to hit everybody at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And And the patient and the caregiver, like everybody will be a patient or a caregiver at some point in their life. It just is how it works, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's similar to that, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah, no. And I was going to say, like, I'm wondering when in, even though you had experience with healthcare, I wonder if like, when you first started getting really sick in 2012, like, was there a trend, like, for a lot of people, there's a transition between like, I'm getting really sick and I'm thinking about it in the acute illness model. And like, I'm just Mm -hmm. need to find the right doctor and find the right medicine and find the right treatment. And then we'll get past this. Like what, what was it like to go from, like, did you have that experience first of wanting it to just, okay, we're just going to thinking it's a short-term thing. And then what was it like to have to come to terms (laughs) with it being chronic? (laughs) That's like a whole life other story. I know we don't, please tell me by the way, how much time you have. Cause I know we're already going a little over. I don't know. You see my power flicker a couple of times. I don't know oh. if I'll be something just started like uh brewing outside, so oh, no. we'll see, Storm's but I'm doing, I'm great right now, but oh, um, no, that's a, um, yep. That was yeah. the very first. <laughs> yep. I'm just going to say yes. Nail yeah. on the head. Boom. Cheryl hit it. Yeah. Um, but that is what we all experience. I feel like, because we all don't know if it's the sniffle is what is the sniffle, you know, Mm -hmm, or the pain mm -hmm. in our back, what is causing the pain in our back. So it could be infinite things like microscopic 
macroscopic. You know, they're just, it could be all the way down to the cellular level something, or it could just be, oh, you bruised it a tiny bit or mm-hmm. you bonked it or something, you know? Yeah. So it's at the very beginning, the, the toughest point for me with dealing with the acute versus chronic nature of the illness was simply in the form of people asking me, how are you doing? It was that, that was the only thing that spotlighted it for me over and over. It's like, I know I'm living in my reality. I know that I'm living in illness. I know that I am still sick. Trust me. I know. And I know that y'all care. And I know that y'all really do love me. I just also don't have an answer. (laughs) I, we don't have answers. And now there's six doctors that don't have answers. And now there's another doctor and you think it's hard to get an appointment with one specialist, you know, when something goes wrong, it's very, very difficult to keep getting appointments with specialists when the answers keep being, we don't know, or there's something a little off, but we can't tell what. And then you just keep getting that and you keep feeling sick. So there's always going to, I feel like with every illness, there is always that tiny little fear in everybody's heads. I know a lot of my mama friends, they would say the same, Mm -hmm. your kid gets a little fever and you're like, we got to hold up here full stop because Uh your brain will domino into all of the scariest possible things. And as it is okay to do as a mom, by the way, that's a protective mechanism, but of course, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) But I cannot speak anymore to the mom part, but I can say that seems similar to how I think we all innately approach any kind of sniffles we get or any kind Mm -hmm. of twang in our back. And it really, for me, what, how, what helped was when I kind of, there was such a fatigue and there was such a cloud that came over me that was not a mental health cloud, particularly at mm-hmm. the very beginning, but it was the brain fog cloud, or it was mm-hmm. where there were waves of, yeah. you know, flares worsening and symptoms worsening and then receding just a little bit, but I was still extremely sick. And so because there was no ultimate full on relief. And I did not experience at any point after my initial headache, a, I was on 186 days of bed rest when I came home from my very first hospital stay. So it was something where, and I, yep, I definitely did that math, had enough time to sit there and do it, (laughs) but it was an experience to then also try to relay to concerned people around or just anyone in our lives, like my job, like the people that I worked with, like, when are you coming back? Like, what's yeah. all the paperwork? Like, are you going to keep your job? You know, it was a very, there were so many aspects to being sick and being sick for longer than just a week or two yeah. that it was very, fam- and we didn't have long COVID even yet. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't have a lot of that yet. We were, yeah, yeah we were in a, a different era and even now we don't know exactly you know like what we're dealing with but Mm -hmm. with long COVID or anything like that but there is so much more awareness for autoimmune type illnesses now yeah that that certainly I hope will help and that's certainly why I hope to speak some and see if my experience might be able to help at least give some awareness or give 
some people who don't have the energy or don't have the words or don't have the hope to be Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, maybe, (laughs) maybe this is okay. Maybe there's more people like me out there that are living this kind of life, but we don't have the energy to sit up and talk all the time about it. So Mm -hmm. if somebody can just hear this when they're laying there and all they can do is listen to podcasts, Hey Mm -hmm. friend, I feel you. There is hope. (laughs) That was going to be one of my other questions is just what was, um, a day in the life like when maybe things were at their most rough, like what maybe I'm assuming it's in the nursing home, but maybe not. Um, Oh, I think that's a good distinction too, because in the nursing home, I flourished. Oh, okay. Um, See, so wrong assumption. So I spent there. See, it's a very interesting, but that's, I feel like that's what my story is all about is about literally everything flipped upside down. Like if you you think one way, just flip it. That's probably okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it wasn't, it was as you would believe, um, it would be trying on our marriage and trying yeah. on relationships. Yes. Um, but as far as my health went, I was getting personalized one-on-one attention with multiple different kinds of therapists. And I know, you know what that's like <laughs> with yeah, your yeah. occupational therapy. But um, isn't that what? Yes, yes. No, that's true. And I've done a, a internship in a skilled nursing. No, you're you're yes. so right. I've seen people have that flourishing experience where they're the burden yeah. of their care is spread out between so many experts, and you have a lot more support. Yeah, yeah. It was a really unique uh, thing in that in that respect. A lot of, I mean, I still, I still had to do speech therapy for learning how to eat again mm-hmm. because the muscles you know that's a yeah. that's a skill man that's a skill <laughs> it's a very complex uh, yeah <laughs> it's a it's a motor muscle activity yeah. people don't think about the same way that talking is you know yeah um, yeah so my worst I guess um prior to that there will be days that I learn about I know this there will be days going forward that I learn about from my husband and from Mm. my mother-in-law and from people, my aunt who came right up next to me, right beside me and were the ones carrying me, you know, during times where I have my own version of it. I know what I experienced. There was one particular time that I guess I would, I could start with this one. Mm. Um, I have a sewn in IV line in my chest called a Hickman. Mm -hmm. and it's permanent and that's what it's intended to be but also no line is actually permanent it cannot Mm -hmm. be because of you know the way they wear out or infection or anything like that so this is my fourth one of these okay and since I've had three more (laughs) before this um we were running out of places Mm. to put them and they had to I had to have a line because that was how I ate my vein food. Mm -hmm. That was how I got my hydration and nutrition. And so when I got at my worst, I've had one time where this exploded the line itself. Yeah. And I woke up as it was, it ruptured and there was blood 
just freely flowing from my chest everywhere. Um, and then my husband had to, he woke up because I screamed his name and nightmare of all nightmares for what he saw in that moment. So, so we've had moments like that. And then we've had moments all the way to where I'm in my mind, the way I am living is breath to breath mm-hmm. and the breathing is not easy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, my husband has been told she has t- 24 hours. She will either be gone in 24 hours or she'll be on a ventilator and then she will be gone. Mm-hmm. And wow. he was told that by my critical care pulmonologist who is still my pulmonologist to this day, but that was back in probably 2015 or 2016. Wow. He was told that, and I was in the room, we were in my ICU room in the hospital and my doctor was on one side of my legs at the end of my bed. Mm-hmm. And my husband was on the other side of my legs at the end of my bed. And they were speaking to each other about me And I thought I was a part of the conversation. Mm. I really, truly thought, no, guys, I'll be, I'll definitely, I'm in here. I'm for sure going to be okay. We're going to do this thing. Mm. I wasn't speaking, you know, I wasn't able to vocalize that. So these are the, just the very basic, quick brushes, (laughs) Um, broad strokes over some of the depths of what we went through. I've been carried lots of places. I've spent a day just everywhere you could imagine in the depths of you being real sick. Just extend that, your worst moment, extend it over the course of a few days. And then it's just, and just completely helpless. Like literally Mm -hmm. I cannot do a single thing for myself. I lost my eyesight one time because I've had septic shock two times. I've had like four times with sepsis, maybe more than that actually. But it's all these things where I just should not have survived them, first of all. So thank you, Jesus. I have a Mm -hmm. whole other thing with that, but that doesn't necessarily, that's just a whole personal thing there Mm -hmm. (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it's been a long road and I'm only speaking to my experience because that's all I can speak from. But, um, there were a couple times where I lost my eyesight mm-hmm. in the middle of my emergency room fiasco, you know, cause oh. everybody's trying to, you have septic shock. This is very dangerous. You know, let's get everything going right now. Mm-hmm. And do you know who you are? Do you know what septic shock is? Do you know what day it is? Um, all those kind of things. And then my response to that, cause I remember this very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my response to that was, are you still standing in that corner of the room? Because I can no longer see anything. Wow. So when we started learning, I mean, when I started losing abilities like Mm -hmm. that in a very 911 had been called, you know, all this kind of manner. And then my doctors would show up to the ER too. That's how close to death I was several times where mm-hmm. they are at the ER with us um, because we think this one's it. Um, my husband had to say goodbye to me four times. Four oh times we said actual 
real deal goodbye. Like really, really. And one time, there's a fifth time that I said it to him on video because I knew he wouldn't make it in time. So oh I have that video. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple um, videos like that, that I have that are very depth. There were a couple that at the time I deleted. My mm-hmm. husband took one video of me just so that he said so that he could show people when the doctors asked about what was she like before, you know, this oh, horrible thing happened or yeah. something like that. And he would just show them the video and be like, this is what she looked like before. And it was literally, I watched the video like a day later, this one particular, and I was laying on a bed. I had absolutely, it looked like I had inverted, you know, like my skin Uh, was now in, it was sunken mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. and it was not rosy in any way. And Mm. and it was just, my breath was very shallow with the little bit of the kind of thing. you could hear it at all. So, and I wasn't moving. I wasn't doing anything. I was staring straight up at my eyes weren't focused and anything, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even, I don't remember him taking that video. So mm-hmm. we have those kind of depth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, but that's, we have those kind of depth. Yeah, <laughs> no. And say, I know, again, I know it takes like emotional labor to share you know, publicly these, these stories and experiences, but that, and I, like we said earlier, I know that's going to help others feel, feel less alone. And like, I'm just, I'm curious if again, if you have, if you have the spoons uh, to keep talking about it, do you, do you feel, um, I mean, it seems like such a basic question, but do you have like a sense of real, like fear and anxiety around death or is it at this point something you've kind of like because earlier on we were talking about how it's like death is inevitable and we're all gonna die but you know what I'm saying like because you've had such I know I feel you can go either way like you could either become super super like anxious and nervous or you could just and I will tell you I have gone both ways okay okay (laughs) again so there's no tidy narrative yeah yeah exactly I'm as human as it gets yeah (laughs) just like anybody would expect um and I've therapy, all of it, just like anybody would expect it's, ah, definitely appropriate to say I grieve, have grieved, am grieving, will continue to grieve. Um, I don't know how long because I don't know anything (laughs) about the future or anything like that. But I can tell you about now and today, and today I'm doing uh, pretty well with with that concept. My faith, again, is a big thing for me. But mm-hmm. I did still, it's important for people to know, like, just because I say I believe in Jesus and all of these things, that does not mean I'm 100% good. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just go ahead and roll on I'm, I'm at peace with everything and, in the universe. Yeah, yeah. I'm at peace with everything. Yeah. No, now I do believe there's access to that, but uh, yeah. it is not, whoo, humanity is so hard. So mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. no, I've definitely been through the the stages of the anxiousness, but it wasn't ever anxiety in the, like in particular one time when my husband raced 
to the hospital to say goodbye to me. There were, the crash team was being called. And um, it was, I don't know how it's, it was a God thing because my personal nurse practitioner who was like my primary nutrition doctor who managed all of my vein food, she just happened to be walking by my room as this happened. And she has two hospitals she goes through. So when she was walking by my room, she saw that she came, rushed into my room to just hold me. And there was a very marked, I don't know, something within these type experiences changed something within me to not make me completely cool and cool as a cucumber and yay, we're good, you know, not necessarily, mm-hmm. not necessarily to be that confident in my security of no anxiety, but right. to bring me so much closer to the reality of like, oh, wait, why exactly? This is just how it is. And there, this is just the way life is. This is mm-hmm. going to happen one way or another. And I have lived for so long in this stasis where mm-hmm. I'm just stuck. And so I have to figure out how am I going to live while stuck in the ditch? Because yeah. what good is it that I'm doing all of these treatments and all of this stuff if I'm also like, I'm just being kept alive to then have another stroke or another, all of those yeah. things, pulmonary embolism, brain bleed, all of these things inside of me. And that is a struggle. That is a real question that people have to ask. And we don't often talk about, and it's very mm-hmm, difficult to bring mm-hmm. up. And it's really hard to face that kind of question. But there is a piece for me through Jesus that mm-hmm. is accessible, where there's a moment where when you realize your spirit, your body is going to deteriorate because physiologically, that's what it does. Like yeah. scientifically, that's mm-hmm. what it does. And it breaks down. And once you hit a certain age, it's going to just continue in that pattern. And that is not to say everything is terrible and everything is horrible and everything's going down. That's not at all. It's only to say we are human. Right. And this is how it goes. So I want to hold as much space as I can in grace and in kindness and in love to know that everyone around me is also sharing that same exact Mm -hmm. uncertainty and Mm -hmm. that same exact moment of anxiety and that same exact fear and the same exact the way I phrased it is this is what the death hole everything has become for me the way I phrase it is because we know deep calls unto deep we have asked the same questions we Mm -hmm. may not be in as serious like you were talking about you don't want to do the severity olympics i do not either yeah. that is not yeah. cool and to plus i can't ever be you in your body so by right. default we can't actually compare <laughs> what it's like so it's really a thing where for me then it comes down to 
we're going to ask similar questions. We're going to ask, what am I still doing here? Why this? Why that? What now? What then? What mm-hmm, if? Mm-hmm. Why this? You know, how? All of these questions, the what, who, what, when, where, why, and how, we're going to ask them. We're going to mm-hmm. ask them because we are the same when it comes down to the very core of who we all are. We are mm-hmm. all human beings. We are all the same. We will ask similar questions. What brings us to ask those questions may be entirely different, but when we right. drill it down to the essence of it, this is what connects us. And I can go forward knowing I'm not alone in that. Right. I'm not right. alone in that because every other person here will also have these same feelings and same right. fears and thoughts and anxieties. They will just manifest in ways that are more specific to their journey mm-hmm. than mine. So that's that's the only way that I've been able to. That's it. Oh. That's the only way. No, that's it's funny because I I don't come at it from a faith perspective, but I but I come at it from the self-compassion practice and that from Dr. Kristen Neff. And it's really interesting because yeah, you first have to connect with what it is that you're suffering. You know, what, what is, what is your source of suffering at the moment? And then you treat yourself with compassion, like the compassion you give to a friend. And then you recognize that your shared humanity, like a shared, that this is part of suffering is part of the human experience. This is not of moral failing on your part or anyway, yeah, so that no, I, it's not at all. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. It is not a moral failing. Sickness no. is not a moral failing. Nope. It's not a punishment for something that you did. No. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. So <laughs> many soap boxes. Well, I really, really mm-hmm. super appreciate your time. Um, I mean, I want to talk to you for like five more hours, but I also want to respect that this is a lot. Um, maybe yeah, we'll do a part two sometime, but there's is, just one other thing yeah, I was gonna say, that I did else? not get to say. Okay. Please. So the main survival tips that I would have oh, is yes. the nutrition, hydration, oxygen, and rest mm. underneath a shelter. You have to be sheltered and then you get, you, you feel weary. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what's next. You're scattered in your mind. You don't know how to settle yourself and you're getting lost in the uh-ohs and the oh-nos, mm-hmm. the spiral. My doctors approached saving my life over and over again the same way that I then approached it in therapy and in mm-hmm. counseling and in speaking with friends is nutrition, hydration, oxygen, and rest. All of these things are required for a body to survive. Mm -hmm. So all of these things are also going to be required for my spirit, my mental state, Mm -hmm. you know, to move Mm -hmm. forward successfully in the world. So that's just with, that's one way that I try to make like a practical tip. If you're out of balance, out of whack, check your nutrition check your hydration, check your oxygen, check your rest, just, and check your shelter. Oh, There's your five minute check. Just, that's it. Just give yourself I some love rest. It. 
bringing it back to the basics because so often bringing think, it back I mean I know from my life the one that I historically had like kind of shirked on was rest like oh I can push again there's that wayward optimism I can push through you know oh I'll stay up late to do this or that Whew. but you know oh the rest and not and in, in, in occupational therapy we kind of have this framework of activities of daily living and rest is like a different bullet point than sleep even so they are it is you and you know so yeah there's yeah you could you could lump them together totally fine to say you know rest and sleep but they are two different things you need to rest you know sometimes your because your mind is actually not very rested when you're sleeping your mind is very active you know so yeah really kind of fascinating but anyway side note oh yeah, isn't it isn't it it's exhaustingly fascinating yeah exhaustingly <laughs> yeah, fascinating going. to think about rest which is supposed to be restful yeah <laughs> that's one of those restful. ironies but yet was there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we didn't get a chance to I mean friend we <laughs> no. we went places that I did not know we would go but also oh. um it was great thank you so much Oh no, thank you. Uh, and I, I just love that we just connected like literally four days ago at the autoimmune, was it even yes. five? Was it three days ago at the autoimmune community I summit? In, in the comments, know. just chatting during <laughs> the speakers and like, I like what she's saying. And she's like, I like what she's yeah. saying. So I love that. I was like, hey, I like this. <laughs> yeah, no. And can you, um, I will be putting your links to your um website oh, right. and your, your social media, but can you just say um, for those who yeah. might be having- you know, what's your Instagram and Twitter? So my name is Hey Ferris and mm-hmm. that's all A's, no E's. So it's mm-hmm. H-A-Y-F-A-R-R-I-S, like Ferris wheel, but with an A. Mm-hmm. So I'm at Hey Ferris on Instagram Perfect. and on Twitter. And I share on Instagram and on Twitter, but I have my website where I write specifically about this 10 year situation and my yeah. life now. And that's, heyferris.com. So yeah, it's, it's really wonderful. I really, really encourage you to check out her, her blog. And, um, and again, just really, I'm, I'm so happy that you're in this state right now of, you know, relatively higher energy levels than you've had, you know, for the last decade. I mean, that's something Mm -hmm. to celebrate. And the fact that you're using that part of that mental energy to do this podcast. I I feel very honored. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you. I just want people to, I just, I just want people to be able to possibly, if they could say, Hey, look, I'm not alone in the depths of this moment. And like surviving survival mode is a Mm -hmm. real, is a real topic. And it's so hard to talk about it because when you're in survival mode, you can't talk about it. You have no energy to talk about it Mm -hmm. and to give wisdom about it and to ask questions about it or to even listen to other people or search for other people who have been there before. And so one of the first things that I really wanted to do is like, if I get enough energy back in, I want to share pieces of this because they're, it's just my one experience and all of us are going to have different experiences, but we will ask similar questions. Yeah. I know it's, it's so it's, very resonant. It's very deep. I do think a lot of people avoid thinking about near-death experiences because it feels too painful or too scary, but yeah. it is something that I, we are all, like you said, you know, very eloquently that we're all going to be faced with 
at some point. Apparently, some people more frequently than others. <laughs> <laughs> we can just. <laughs> you're like an expert you need to get like a frequent all, anyway, card yeah the frequent flyer, flyer yeah you need the pilot to give me the little pin or something yeah oh like your next no, visit's no, on us you. yeah no, <laughs> i but, know right yeah no. and i'll put some more again because vasculitis is not as um well yeah. um you know known at times i'll put some more links you know w- with regards to, like which we kind have of the vasculitis foundation okay. here in um, the USA in North America, there's a vasculitis foundation. They're doing great. There's like the, I've just seen them flourish and blossom over Mm. it. Like since 2012, you know, the, the amount of information even has changed so greatly since I was a patient in 2012 versus a patient now in 2022. Well, in three weeks, I'm going to the, um, uh, American College of Rheumatology conference, like the Convergence Annual Conference. And so I'm going to, I usually keep my eye out mostly for like the inflammatory arthritis, you know, yes. news, but I'm going to definitely add on some vasculitis sessions. Vasculitis, yay! Yes, because in <laughs> yeah, it is, we're here. We're here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like scleroderma. It's like one of the ones that's not as, yes. um, it's more, it's officially a rare disease, right? Yeah, I think is, you wrote that on your blog. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, Mine sorry. Is, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I have a hard no, time wrapping up conversations. No, me too. We're going to, it's going to be not great. We're not going to be <laughs> good okay. at wrapping up. We're just gonna is, like, is anyone still million. listening? <laughs> <laughs> Five years later. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Is this tape still rolling? Yeah. Digital, digital is not, it, it doesn't, it, you can just keep recording forever. And it's and not. This was my first Zoom ever. I know. So, I am so proud I'm of you. I'm so excited. It worked. You are an expert. I love it. You even have a cute background. I just love it. I love it's it. Just my, well, I live right here. I mean, I live right. This is yeah. the bed that I lived in for the majority of those years. And so I knew that these are all my things, but I try, I did try to squish them more so that it wouldn't be as, yeah, you know, yeah. oh, I love order but then all my tape started peeling off I was like it's gonna be a mess they're just gonna oh, fall off so while cute. I'm talking but no. it's fine that's I love this it. one is fun this one is my one of my life sayings when life hands you lemons don't make lemonade make whatever the heck you want oh I love mm-hmm. that it's definitely if you want to clone your lemons and then like cure some rare disease do that please you do want that popsicles yeah. make that you know oh I love it yeah, make popsicle. Anyway. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to continuing being in touch on our various social media yes, platforms. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Bye-bye for now. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Arthritis Life Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, an educational program I created from scratch to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported, and connected in a matter of weeks. You can go through the pre-recorded course on your own, or you can take the course along with a support group. Learn more at the link in my show notes, or you can always go to www.myarthritislife.net. And if you like this podcast, I would be so honored if you took the time to rate and review it. I also encourage you to share it with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I also wanted to remind you that you can find full transcripts, videos, and detailed show notes with hyperlinks for each episode on my website, www.myarthritislife.net. 
If you have any ideas for future episodes, or if you want to share your story or wisdom on the podcast, just shoot me an email at info at myarthritislife.net. I can't wait to hear from you. Thank you.